0: I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Tuesday. Vegas says Milwaukee has a 65% chance, 65% chance to win their first title in over 50 years tonight. At home, Milwaukee is favored by five versus the Suns. We're going to go deep into that game. Reports continue about Green Bay Packer Aaron Rodgers. This one says he was offered to have his contract extended to become the highest-paid player in the history of the NFL, and he turned it down. No odds change, 80% chance based on the odds. He is the week one quarterback for Green Bay. And finally, a lot of tumult in the betting market with the Rams, the running back, out, torn Achilles. What did it do to the odds? We'll get into that and more. Here comes a 4-Hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that
1: and more. You're listening to Fox Sports radio. 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 From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell.
0: You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas on an NBA Finals night. Maybe the final NBA night of the season. A champion could be crowned live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. This is going to be, to start the show, a conspiracy Tuesday. What does that mean? You'll find out in a few seconds. Sports batters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox.
2: Always good to be here, RJ, and yes, on a day in which Milwaukee looks to celebrate a championship later on tonight. We've also got some news from their in-state NFL team. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday?
0: More Aaron Rodgers news. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to start with a name you might have heard. And if you haven't, listen up. And even if you have, listen up. Because it affects, I think, potentially – tonight's game the end result and his name is Scott Foster and what we're going to start with is who's refereeing tonight and what it means to the game.
2: Yeah, Scott Foster, longtime NBA official. Uh, He has become uh, a focal point of Chris Paul played games because of Chris Paul's track record and how many games in a row he lost when Scott Foster was the lead official. So he will be on the call later on tonight. It'll be the Suns and the Bucks, 9 p.m. Eastern time on ABC, where Milwaukee has a 3-2 series lead looking to eliminate Chris Paul and those Phoenix Suns.
0: One of the greatest questions, maybe the most important question when it comes to statistics, probability, numbers, is when is something a coincidence and when is something the sign of an underlying reason? When is there a correlation? So if I flipped a coin three straight times, got three straight heads the odds are 7 in 1 that that would happen but it's going to happen randomly you know about once a week if i if i flipped a, a coin every day 3 times about once a week a little bit less i'd get three straight heads and to me the well let's think about that it'd be one yes that's correct and about once a week you'd get three straight tails and we could say oh look it's been two straight Tuesdays that we got Three straight heads. Oh, man, that must mean something. Tuesday must be pro heads. Well, most people would say, nah, nah, that's coincidence. And in trends, you'll hear this on betting shows, the lesser betting shows, things like left-handed quarterbacks with red hair when they quarterback east of the Mississippi after 9 p.m. start time are 14 and 4. And it's like, hmm, what is the correlation? oftentimes there is none now what's interesting is there's a hedge fund out of uh upstate new york called uh, renaissance and there's a fellow named jim simmons who is a billionaire that this is probably the most mathematically advanced hedge fund in existence and they've made billions upon billions of dollars And they've dug into the stock market deeper than any fund, any entity in the history of the world. And they say, and they don't talk much to the press, but there was a book written called The Man Who Solved Wall Street, I think was the title. And it talks about how some of their most profitable trends are ones that are nonsensical, that there's no logical reason that there should be – this correlation, this trend, but here's the key there is statistical significance. So, very rarely in sports betting, very rarely in sports, is there a statistical significance to any trend because it takes such a big number to do that. And think about the NBA, even 82 games typically plus the regular uh, postseason. So, regular season plus postseason. It's hard to get enough sample size to say for sure for sure this is correct so even though some of the most powerful trends are nonsensical they're not logical we're never going to find those out in sports because there's not enough sample size so what do we have to do we have to combine the trend numbers the, the the wins and losses and the logic of it so let's look at chris paul in playoff games, when Scott Foster referees. Now, the whole in playoff games, that's an interesting kind of narrowing. Like, if Scott Foster has an agenda against Chris Paul, if he has a vendetta against Chris Paul, probably would show up in the regular season, too. Mackenzie Rivers had a research, pregame.com, he's the right person to ask. Have we dug into the regular season on Chris Paul and Scott Foster? Not yet. And I'm on it. No, not yet. Didn't. It wasn't a thing that came up. But what we can do is, before the end of the show, dig into that. But what we know is, you know, as we do the research, but what we know is that he has lost Chris Paul straight up 12 straight games in the playoffs that Scott Foster has refereed. Now, if we just assume for the sake of argument that each of those games were 50 50 type propositions. Well, losing 12 in a row, that is moving towards about 4,000 to 1, the odds against that happening randomly. So, to flip a coin 12 straight times, get uh, heads 12 straight times, for example, would be about four, a little over 4,000 to 1. So, very, very unlikely. Now, what makes us think that it's even more likely that Scott Foster has a role in this? And oh, by the way, Scott Foster is refereeing tonight in this game. Again, well, not against Chris Paul, but with Chris Paul and Milwaukee. So after the Lakers lost, this is what have been in which the Suns lost game three. um, And it was in the NBA finals. So this was prior to that. So this was when... They had lost, I think. Let me see. Uh, Mackenzie, I'm looking at this quote. When when was this quote from? Game three of round one
1: after they lost to the Lakers.
0: Okay. Okay. Game three of round one after they lost to the Lakers. Okay. And he says the following. This is a quote. The Lakers are shooting a lot of free throws. If I was a betting man, 11 games in a row, 11 games in a row. That's what he said. And that was the quote in which Chris Paul said, hey, I've lost 11 games in a row with Scott Foster as referee if I was a batting man. Well, some of our listeners, about half based on the research, <laughs> are betting people, men and women. And by the way, in Game 3... Of the NBA Finals, Milwaukee at home, remember, down 0-2, lane 4, you might remember. We thought, man, that line seems kind of high. Guess who refereed? Scott Foster. And guess what? Chris Paul lost again. The Suns lost that game, so it's now 12 in a row. He was complaining when it was 11. Now, don't forget, and let's take a little side sojourn, as they would say, into the idea, and Jonas, you can give me your feedback on this, please, and we are straight out of Vegas. I used to say, and I say often, the NBA wants to extend series when they would like there to be typically a seven-game series instead of a four-game series, and the stakes on that go up even more in the finals, where you know the distance of the series, how many games are played, has even more of a financial impact. But we've said they want every series – to go as long as it can and the question is what will they do to affect that if anything and we've said many times that in Vegas when there's a game that feels like it could affect the financial bottom line in a playoff series of the NBA we think the NBA tries to have an influence now a lot of people are like what? oh my god oh gosh hot take no 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 we're not saying the NBA says, hey, so let's look at game three. Game three was a perfect example. If somehow Phoenix won and went up 3-0, the sweep maybe was on. I mean, oftentimes that third loss takes the energy out of the, the, un, the team that's losing, and it's like sweep time. And how much less interest would there have been? No game five, no game six. And we know, obviously, game five was a monster on Saturday, and now we got this big game. NBA really wanted Milwaukee to win game three. You would think if they were concerned about their bottom line, and most businesses are, we think the NBA is too. So how would they affect it? Would they have commissioner silver calling people up saying, Hey, uh, we're going to fix this game. No, 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 no. But maybe just maybe they would say, as we've told you many times, what kind of referee would hurt a given team? What referee would be pro Milwaukee, or anti-clippers. Now, typically, it's not going to be an individual like a Scott Foster that seemingly has an agenda against a given team or player. What it would be is, hey, this team is very physical that we want to win. We're going to bring in a referee that doesn't call a lot of fouls or a crew that doesn't call a lot of fouls. So the physical team can be mighty physical. Or the opposite. If you want the physical team to lose, you call in a referee group that's going to call a lot of fouls. You're not fixing the game at all. But you are presenting or you're, you're giving certain teams an advantage that isn't obvious to see. And Jonas, let's be honest. If there was ever a time that my theory came to – that really came to life and said, man, that seems like an example perhaps – is when it's 0-2 Milwaukee, they have a must-win, and lo and behold, the one guy in the NBA that seems to hate Chris Paul, and again, we've got the data saying 12 straight times, we got Chris Paul saying it, that he believes it to be true, Boy, oh boy, doesn't that back my theory?
2: Yeah, no, and I think that there's sort of this connotation because of the Tim Donahue stuff from back in the day that any sort of shenanigans that go on in the NBA or any sort of this stuff, you know, uh, why would why would the NBA want to go anywhere near anything like this or, or the potential, you know, Chris Paul making the comment, you know, if I was a betting man 11 games in a row, 11 games in a row about Scott Foster being the official, I I do think there's a big difference between having an influence and manipulating the situation. And but, I, and I oh, and go I, ahead. I'm sorry. No, and, and I just I, – I don't think this is out-and-out out cheating or something that needs to be investigated. It's just the NBA realizing there's a business aspect to all this, and if we can sort of put ourselves in a better position to get an extra couple of games or an extra game, why wouldn't we do it? Well, listen, what you're
0: saying – Mm, I, let's let's explore that a second, because what you're saying is you're making a distinction. And, and, and refresh my memory: was it influencing versus manipulating?
2: Yeah, like, what I is think the difference? Okay, because I think that there's if you're putting yourself in a position. To potentially have some influence, as opposed to just out and out manipulating the game, looking the other way when there's when there's a clear and obvious call, um, walking away from you know from a play or, or refusing to uh, rule a ball out on one team when there's clear evidence to show oh, okay, that it's out on okay. that team. I think there's a big difference between that and putting yourself in a position to get an extra couple games. But
0: when it comes to the referees' actions, I agree with you. If they have a propensity to call fouls or not, they're going to do it their way. Just like in baseball, let's say there's a pitcher that threw a lot of high fastballs In major league baseball. Again, with pitch with umpires, there's a rotation to it in the playoffs. I don't know exactly how that works. So I'm not even sure about that, but let's say they had the ability to dictate who was going to be the home plate ump, And there's a home plate ump that, that, that calls a lot of high strikes and you want the team that has a high fastball pitcher to win. Now, the referee is not doing anything um, illicit. He, or the umpire in this case, would be doing what he is naturally inclined to do. But the act of putting in that official to a specific game with the goal of affecting the outcome. That to me seems like the definition of manipulation. Let me give you an example. Let's say typically there's a, a, a let's say there's a dome, and one of the things is sometimes will the roof be open, roof be open or not, right? And let's say that it's the league's decision. It's the NFL. Let's say it's the league's decision. Let's say one quarterback plays great in a dome. It's Peyton Manning back in the day. The other's Tom Brady who plays great in inclement weather. If they decide to leave the dome open even though it's like 40 degrees and sleeting, And typically that dome would be closed. We could say, hey, they didn't really do any manipulate. They just influenced. But it seems like officials who are supposed to be unbiased, in this case, when I say officials, I mean league officials that are supposed to be unbiased, to make decisions about who's officiating the game that they believe will have a specific influence on the game, effect on the game, that's affecting the game with a bias. And I'm not saying – we can't ever prove this. That's the beauty of the plan yeah. from the NBAs. Yeah. Unless they are doing email correspondence and say, well, we got to get Scott Foster in there because we know he hates Chris Paul. But if it's unspoken, and rest assured, one thing the NBA does exceptionally well is their own analytics. I mean, if you go to NBA.com, they've got some of the best analytics about the NBA there. They've got some smart minds analytically. They know – probably more than gamblers do, How different things that affect games. But the fact they know it and the fact that potentially, and it's the belief in Las Vegas that they do do this, potentially they're going to make decisions about officials to extend series, it strikes me as uh, something, one, to take advantage of as batters, but two, something I think that, that rises to the level of improper. What, uh, what do you think? I mean, let's say that what I'm saying is exactly true. We don't know that it is. Allegedly, by, or by, not even allegedly, by my spe- well, I guess allegedly because a lot of people believe it. But by my speculation, Scott Foster was placed in a game three to benefit Milwaukee because he's anti-Phoenix. If that were the case, is that improper in your mind?
2: Um, no, nah, not for what we do. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I can understand if you're a Suns fan, it would be cause for concern. I, I, I also go back and I look at a couple of calls this series. Devin Booker not getting called for a late foul. And that's to your point is the beauty of all this, because you can if you're the NBA, you can push back and say, well, what about those calls that went for Phoenix earlier in the series? What about this? It, it just the NBA's put themselves in a position to where makeup calls are allowed on, on from one possession to the next and I've never understood that the fact that you can completely butcher a call and then you can right the wrong by butchering the next call down the court like how is that even allowed it, it should be you make a mistake you shouldn't have the ability to you know all of a sudden make a second mistake in order to cancel it out while while a game is happening because you're admitting to two mistakes just to erase one and it doesn't erase one It just it, it's a glaring issue the NBA has always had and if we're going to allow that to happen I think that we've just embraced the fact that officials are going to have more influence on an NBA game than maybe officials have in any other sport.
0: That's Jonas Strong. I'm R.J. Bill. We are straight out of Vegas. My case would be that what you just explained was trying to even up things. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree with it, but it's trying to give, create an even playing field. This is the opposite. It's trying to create a playing field that's not even. One last thought. And again, we'll take advantage if we can. One last thought here is the Suns actually played a game that Scott Foster refereed this playoffs, and it was game two of the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers, and lo and behold, the Suns won. Oh, my gosh, that disproves the theory. But you know what? Chris Paul didn't play that game. Yeah. So amazingly, the one game Chris Paul doesn't play of the last 13 that are refereed by Scott Foster, they're 1-0, Chris Paul's teams in games he doesn't play, and and 0-12 in games he does. Coincidence? Hmm. Last thought. Why would they want to stop this series? If anything, the whole premise is extend the series. If somehow they had something against Chris Paul, which I don't think they do, though, he is the most powerful after LeBron player in the league. He's been a union advocate or, you know, a representative. So is this something where maybe something he did? And again, pure speculation here. Could it be possibly something Chris Paul did as a union rep is the league wants to get back at him because it does seem strange if the goal here financially for the league to extend the series. Wouldn't you want a big game seven on Thursday? So why put the ringer in if he is a ringer? Why put the ringer in game six?
2: I maybe, don't know. Maybe to dispel this yes. whole narrative and maybe we need to look uh, you know, at, at maybe Phoenix being a, a live dog. Now,
0: here. that is an interesting conclusion. <laughs> one I thought, too, but that would require communication with Scott Foster. Think about that. That's the one time in this whole scenario it'd be, hey, Foster, cut it out. Now, lastly, <laughs> for sure, what's different about for interesting about Foster is if you go back to the Tim Donahue story – Which was really my first kind of national media attention, and something I did a good bit of original reporting on. The Scott Foster had a lot of dealings with Chris Paul, or check that with Donahay. And here's an example: This is a story from January 2012. Is he had 134 Scott Foster Tim Donahay phone calls in. The time in which Donahue was under investigation uh, for, let's say, allegedly game-fixing, however we want to describe what Donahue did, and they most of these calls were usually less than a minute. So like there was a log here, 1034, call from Donahue to Foster, 1035, another one, 1036, 1039, so we can all say, well, wait a minute, if they try to eradicate Donahue, which they did, why wouldn't they run Foster out with them? Don't forget, at the time, David Stern, one of the things that was most important to him was that this was a rogue official, that there was no conspiracy. So it could be, and again, pure speculation, but it could be that back at the time they thought Foster might be a little bit dirty, but if we go really dig into that – then we're going to really uncover maybe something we don't want to. But now Foster somehow has had protection because he knows that since. So he does what he wants. Again, pure speculation. But Foster seems to get more complaints than anyone. But somehow the league has him in these very big games. Very curious. When we come back, and again, Conspiracy Theory Tuesday, when we come back, we'll dig into the NFL. And then by the end of the hour, we're going to do a full handicap Vegas style of tonight's finals game.
2: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with
0: an I disagree You're with the- protocol. If you speak out I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
2: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look ahead to Game 6 of the NBA Finals later tonight.
0: Yes, and we have an extra little stat here on this Scott Foster conspiracy theory. How many fouls, extra, Did Chris Paul's opponent teams get called? We'll give you that in just a minute. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Why is that? Because of you spreading the word. We appreciate it. And we're going to keep working extra hard to deliver an entertaining and profitable show for you. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. And you know what? I was so involved in trying to get more Scott Foster stuff, I didn't get a chance to check the weather. So let's go to Mackenzie Rivers. What is the current weather on the Strip?
1: 105 degrees in the on the Las Vegas Strip. The neon is bubbling. Is
0: bubbling <laughs> like like champagne?
2: It's
0: popping. <laughs> that,
2: that wasn't too
0: good, was it, Jonas? So, so, uh,
2: th- it might be appropriate if Milwaukee uh, closes out tonight. That might be appropriate. Champagne might be. You know, uh,
0: Spencer know. and McKenzie, you know, the team in research, had a kick butt show last, yesterday. And I purposely didn't include them in the D block, the final block, because I figure, why well, let them mess it up? It was so good. But somehow it carried over.
2: I mean, listen, they've done a phenomenal job. They've, uh, they've, well, well at different points, yes, at different <laughs>
0: point. <laughs> All right, baby.
2: So, RJ, we have been looking ahead to game six of the NBA Finals coming up later on tonight. It's the Suns at the Bucks, are right now Milwaukee holding a 3 2 series lead can close it out later on tonight at home.
0: Yeah. And as we said, Scott Foster refereeing tonight and, there's a discrepancy on the number Chris Paul was saying 11 before another game which now means would mean 12 straight that had been lost but what's interesting is he was counting his team and he was out of one of those games and since then and that was after the Laker game uh, in the first round there was a Scott Foster referee game for Phoenix that Paul was out that they won so if we eliminate those two games the streak actually is 11 right now and most people haven't dug in to see that, but we've got that now. And there's been about 21 additional free throw attempts in those 11 games, 21 additional for, and this is an aggregate now, Chris Paul's opponent. So if we assume, what, about 80% are made in the NBA? So about 17 additional points over the course of those 11 games if you want to say that the discrepancy in fouls was a Scott Foster result. And again, there's no way to say that. We're not saying that for sure, but it has now been 11 straight games that Chris Paul in the playoffs has played in that Scott Foster refereed that Chris Paul lost, and in those games, 21 additional free throws for the other team. So right around two, two additional free throws per game, and you would say, but R.J. is, that, is two, you know, even two points if they make every free throw. Is that going to th- affect all of these games? No, probably not. But you know what? It brings up the point. This is in Chris Paul's head. So if he is the strongest-willed person in the history of the world, then okay. But my point would be, Jonas, and you can tell me what you think of this as we wrap up this topic, is maybe whatever the Scott Foster effect is, if there is one, is smaller than the effect in Chris Paul's mind when he looks across and sees Scott Foster.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think the fact that he's speaking out on it, pretty telling that this is going to be an issue um, that any little call and I actually wonder I don't even know if this this is on the prop market but I wonder if there's a prop out there on this game who gets the first technical foul because I would put a heavy amount on Phoenix because they're looking for any reason to overly complain about something and if they see that Scott Foster's calling the game any call whatsoever I could see them sort of lose it go off a little bit uh, you know looking for excuses as to why they're at where they're at in the series and potentially in the game It just feels like this is built in an excuse moving forward. That's
0: a good point. Now, talking about Chris Paul's mental toughness, in his career, there's been 17 times in the playoffs Chris Paul has faced elimination. So lose the game, you're out of the playoffs. In those games, his team has been, on average, a one and a half point underdog. So it's been pretty much a coin flip game. They've been the smallest of underdogs in those games. In 17 games, They've won six of them. Six and eleven straight up Chris Paul in elimination games. And also six and eleven against the spread. Not good. Not, as Chevy Chase would say, not good in Caddyshack. So now you've got Scott Foster who's in his head. The line really hasn't moved. So with the line being five, the market's not moving with Scott Foster. Market's not moving with Chris Paul's, you know, maybe Uh, historical poor performance in elimination games? I'll just say maybe because you could say, well, statistically 6-11, nah, seems pretty bad. And it really reinforces final point before and then by about 6.45 Eastern, we'll have our handicap on the game, props and such, game result. But the idea of how little the line has changed since game three so one of the things we preach is there's very little adjustments during a series to how good teams are. And sometimes that's right, and sometimes that's wrong. And I think it may be wrong in this case. But just to show you how little adjustment there's been, Game 3, Phoenix has d- did nothing but win. They did nothing but cover. We were talking about a potential sweep. We weren't. You liked actually Milwaukee still with the you know, plus money. But there was a lot of talk of the sweep, Chris Paul's coronation, and the line in Game 3, when it was about the worst scenario, at least so far with the games played, for Milwaukee, they had motivation. But, boy, they didn't look good. They were laying four points. In the time since, Milwaukee won. They won. They won on the road, the third one. Come home. We find out the nemesis of Chris Paul is reffing and the line is five. So it went from about the worst situation (laughs) to the best situation. The line's gone from four to five, and it really reinforces in sports betting you're fighting over half points. And anyone that disregards the half points, they're making a big, big mistake because the bookies make all their money not because of half points because of that little minus 110. And little things, when you have a lot of them add up, It's like hair loss, Jonah. I mean, you don't have to worry about that with your full head of hair. But some people like, McKenzie has, you know, would you, McKenzie, what's the tactical definition? Is it male pattern baldness? Is that what they call
1: it? I think I have an early um, invitation to the bald brotherhood, as (laughs) Michael Wilbon likes to say.
0: But it happens one follicle at a time, Jonah. It does. It does. (laughs) Let's uh, let's look at a little um, Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah, and the uh, news came out, RJ, earlier today, according to Adam Schefter, this was sent out on Twitter, that uh, this offseason the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a two-year contract extension. It would have tied him to Green Bay for five more seasons and made him the highest-paid quarterback and player in football. Uh, Schefter went on to say Rodgers declined the offer, proof that it's not about the money and just more evidence of
0: the rampant disrespect the green bay shows oh wait that doesn't make sense Um, (laughs) it strikes me that i've heard more disdain more kind of anti-aaron Rodgers in the last couple weeks on the various shows tv and radio than I've heard for any player that hasn't done. In fact, I think I've heard more anti Aaron Rodgers than Deshaun Watson. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh like, seriously. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. And I
0: think to give other shows credit is I think it's just they – and probably rightfully so. until You know, this is a situation where until the facts are in, it probably isn't great with Deshaun Watson to overly speculate. So – but but really you would think – because Deshaun Watson was so loved before this, it seemed, that, that, that people are being really – slow to react, though if someone wasn't as loved, maybe there'd be some more speculation. I think that's fair to say. But Aaron Rodgers and his California cool, his haughtiness... I gotta tell you something. It feels like everyone's against, or not everyone, a lot are against him. Is that the temperature you feel in the in the media generally? And how, how about with fans? Because you take a lot of callers on your weekend shows,
2: right? Uh, 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 no, I try not to. Oh, I thought you well, did. Like, the no, drunk
0: callers on the, no? yeah,
2: they're usually drunk, so you can't you can't trust them. They say stuff, and and I don't want to lose my job over some guy uh, getting after it a little bit. But no, I I just think there's a feeling of real fatigue. People people are, are are tired of the story. Like we had fatigue over the Dak Prescott contract extension story, but it was different because that was that wasn't really Dak's doing per se. They were in a negotiation, and I think everybody understood that. There's It was, it was multiple years. Yeah, and, and there were, and there was a lot to it. And then you know uh, you know him suffering the injury and just sort of all of that stuff, and and then paying other players. So you could understand both sides. This feels like there is definitely a fatigue of hey, are you playing or not? Because the, the money's there, the contract's there, you've been paid. This isn't a guy trying to get his first contract. It's not a, it's not a player trying to prove what he's worth to an organization. And so when you see that he's, he's not willing to really speak on it or commit yet, but he's willing to go play in a couple of golf tournaments uh, and, and make the rounds and be sort of vague and passive-aggressive via interviews, I think there's been a lot of fatigue from a, from a fan perspective uh, in just seeing this whole story play out. And he, you know, I think there is an analogy to Deshaun Watson before
0: the accusations and the the court cases and the civil cases, specifically with the masseuses and such. Was recall before that it was a sense of hey, I want out of here, and a lot of people were way you were know, totally behind Watson. It was like, yeah, that O'Brien was a bad GM. He traded. You know, nuke away. So it makes sense he shouldn't honor his contract, even though he signed it like three months before. But then some people, and and I think we were part of that, or at least I I think you were, but I know I was, and and I'll let you, you know, tell me. But. We were saying, yeah, but what has changed from the time he signed the contract? If you go back and say, well, I don't like this and that and this, and it was from three years before and two years before, and the owner who or former owner who's deceased and who you could have said, and I think some people, or at least the feeling was there were some racially insensitive remarks, and I'm not questioning that. I'm saying I'm not in a position to judge exactly how insensitive it was, but a lot of people felt like it was, and... You could say that that all adds up and finally you reach your tipping point. But when you sign a new contract and cash a big monster check and put that advance in your bank account, and then you say, I went out of here, it only seems fair that the, uh, the actions since the contract are pertinent. That you forgave the other ones because that's why you re-signed the contract. You didn't, weren't forced to do that. You chose it. You recommitted all right, if two, if a couple has trouble because the guy cheats on her, uh, let's say a married couple, and then they renew their vows, and then a week later she wants to get divorced, it's kind of hard for it to be saying, well, it was because he cheated on me. Now I maybe she, I'm not saying she doesn't have a right to, but I'm saying logically you would say, well, when you renewed the vows, you kind of forgave that. It seems to me. That it didn't make a ton of sense that there could have been such egregiousness against Watson from the time of that new contract, or at least if there were, we need to hear about it if, we want, if, if the public should support you, though it didn't require that for some reason. I thought it, sh- it should. To me, Aaron Rodgers did not complain during the season. He played hard. He had one of the greatest. And listen, I've been a detractor of Rodgers on the field for years now. He was amazing. Then he wasn't. For multiple years, he was far from amazing. Last year, he was amazing. So I I don't even want to waste my energy trying to say otherwise. But at what point did these egregious things happen? Because when it was in the locker room and he's saying the beautiful mystery and all that stuff after the loss, one – that, that shows a lot of disrespect to the loss itself. I mean, at some point, like, commiserate with your teammate. I mean, to put that wedge in there right away rub me the wrong way. But number two, when did all this stuff happen? And to me, when he was asked about it on ESPN, I can't remember the fellow he was having his last sports center or something, is he? it was, you know, vague talk. It was vague talk. And it strikes me that if it was drafting a quarterback – If that's what this is about, then say it and we can all judge it. But if it's supposedly about something else, we have seen zero evidence of that. And it should be the evidence should be after the time that he played hard and said nothing. Now, maybe you could say, well, he was a true a trooper and he played hard till the end of the season. This happened at the draft. So if somehow he thought the season was sanctified and he wasn't going to mess with it, then why did he mess with it this year right after the draft one year later? So, you know, you read a lot more of the behind the scenes stuff than I do. Do you have any sense of what it is, Other the Aaron Rodgers' problem, other than Jordan Love was drafted?
2: Uh, no, I, I don't have any, any sense of it. Um, I, the only thing my, my guess would be Mark Murphy, the president there in Green Bay, that, that maybe he's got something against him, that this is some bad blood there. But other than that, I think it's all a guessing game at this point.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
2: Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell.
0: When we come back, a preview of tonight's game, Vegas
2: style. That's coming up next here. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox, and this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight Out of Vegas!
0: I'm R.J. Pell. We are straight
1: out of A.
2: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., we've got Game 6 of the NBA Finals coming up later on tonight. It is the Suns at the Bucks. We've been previewing it all throughout the course of the show. And right now on pregame.com, Milwaukee, a a 4.5-point favorite. So that line has dropped a half point here over the last several minutes.
0: And if you look at the total, and that's what we're going to focus on here, it's dropped just during the hour of the show from 2.22 to 2.20. And I still like the under. And I'm going to call this a pizza bet. A small bet. How much do you you spend on pizza? Okay, that's what you should maybe bet on this. If you bet, here's why. Of all the games in all the NBA series between game one and game six, or game seven even, the biggest drop is between game five and six. It drops about two and a half points, the total. This is the game things get locked down for whatever reason. And you know what? Even with it... Dropping that much, the totals in over 200 game sixes have gone under 56% of the time. One last thing, Phoenix has to stop the Milwaukee break. And how do they do that? Getting more guys back, which means they stop the break, but also less offensive rebounding that all leads to less scoring. So a pizza bet under 220 in game six.
2: We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, on the I Radio app. Straight out of Vegas!